good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. Thank you for that wonderful, again, rendition of Paula's song, I Am That I Am. You know, as I mentioned earlier, that, you know, that song seems to have so many layers of meaning, at least from my perspective, and I know that art sometimes is in the eye of the beholder, so this is my perspective, is that what it represented, among other things, is that the I am that means that we're also connected with everything around us on some spiritual level, some soul level, that we are all inherently intertwined with one another. But also the I am is also another name for the presence, the presence that we call God. And then whenever we use the I am, it is unique to us because whatever we attach to our I am becomes our experience. So I am that I am. I mentioned that my, my brother, who is actually a, a practicing Muslim, but really likes the, the principles of unity, sometimes contacts me because he's a long-distance truck driver. And I remember he called me a while back. And he often asked me a number of questions, spiritual questions, philosophical questions, that he apparently ponders as he's driving through the different towns and across the state lines. And he said one, to me one time that when he was traveling through the different states, he would read various plaques that contained maybe the brief history of that community or some major event that took place. And he said he noticed a pattern that many of the messages commemorated the battles, you know, the conflicts, between people or, you know, war heroes and how people may have prevailed over others. And after sharing his observation and apparently seeing this pattern over and over again, he asked me, you know, will people ever stop warring and fighting with each other? Will humanity ever rise above this way of being in the world? You know, my immediate reaction was more like Scooby-Doo. I don't know. But apparently, you know, he spends time pondering these things and asking these kinds of questions. And he wanted to know what my answers might be. And of course, I said, well, I'm no predictor of the future of humanity. But I did say to him that we have yet to write what our destiny is going to be. Because the choices that we make, whether it's individually or collectively, will determine what our future will be. 
There's a statement in Jeremiah, the 29th chapter, 11th verse. And it's really the consciousness of this presence we call God speaking to humanity that I believe says that I know the thoughts I think toward you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future, to give you hope. In some phrases or some uh, translations says to give you an expected end, to give you something good. I believe this is the call from the spirit of the living God. A call that's forever expressing itself. And we are here to answer that call. It is a call from our tomorrow. It's beckoning us to birth a new humanity, to birth a new world, to birth a new state of being. And I believe it's calling you and me and all of us literally to create that new world and a whole new way of being on the planet. It's kind of like the oak tree shouting back to the acorn, wake up, I am you. That is the acorn's future. And it's shouting it to that acorn that this is where you're heading. As I was speaking about waking up with someone once, they said, you know, they said, you know, I, I want to pass on. I want to, to die like my great-great-grandmother. I want to die in my sleep like she did, but not like all the other people who were screaming as she was driving. It may take a while to crypt that up. I know I got a weird sense of humor. But I say that to say this. Sometimes we may be asleep at the wheel of our life forgetting there's a great call for us. So we want to wake up as the Buddha was asked, what, who are you? And the Buddha said, I am awake. So we want to wake up to the true essence of our life and hear the call for our tomorrow. Realizing that our tomorrow is really nothing more than God's today. You may be feeling familiar with the, the movie that came out many years ago. Kevin Cosner was in it. It was entitled uh, The Field of Dreams. You know, and, and the basic plot was that there was an Iowa farmer. And he had this farm. And, and while he was on the farm, he heard this mysterious voice. And the mysterious voice said, if you build it, he will come. If you build it, he will come. And it was instructing him to, to turn his, his farm, his cornfields, into a baseball field with the idea that they would, he would attract these, these old-timer or, 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 or really good baseball players from times before him. And it didn't make any sense to him. But he decided to act upon that voice. And people who were seeing him do that, you know, turn over his farm and create this baseball field in the middle of nowhere, they were taunting him. And they said he was nuts, that he was just engaged in lunacy. But eventually he did, and then, you know, the, the people did show up, and he created crowds of people that came from miles around to watch this phenomenon. He, part of it is he reconciled with his, his own father in this experience. There was a lot of stories within the story. But the whole idea is that he answered his call in that particular instance. I think this call is really the rhythm of tomorrow. It is a vibration. It's a frequency. It's a sound. It's a whisper. It's a voice. And if we but lowly listen and be still to that inner ear, 
and we practice the spiritual principles that govern this great universe, we will catch a vision and feel that voice and hear that voice within our own heart. And we'll begin to hear the rhythm of our tomorrow that is pulling us right now. As I always said in the past that, uh, you know, I, I was never always, I was not always a minister. <laughs> and uh, it was not something that I intended to do at all in my life. But I, you know, reached some low points in my life and, you know, and, and uh, somehow got guided to this work that helped transform my experience. And I thought I was going to be using all of these principles to kind of put me back on track to do what I was doing and, you know, practicing the law, working in this corporation I was part of. But then I began to get this, this idea, this vision kept coming up in my head, you know, you know, me being a minister. And I said, and I would say no, you know, I mean, it actually came up like every single day for a year. It would say, and I say, no, no. And then finally I said, hell no, you know. <laughs> You know, because I, I, I was saying, you know, as I said, you know, earlier that, you know, I, I couldn't see myself doing something like that. I mean, I said, I'm too cool to be a minister. <laughs> but then I realized I wasn't really cool enough once I realized what was involved, yeah. you know. But then eventually I, I did succumb and, and I did go, and go in this direction. But it was a voice or a feeling to go in this direction, which is totally contrary to what my mind was coming up. And I think in some ways we may not have something that dramatic in our life that is calling us to do something or go in a certain direction. But we all have those calls come to us. But the answer, but to answer that call sometimes is a challenge because it takes a spiritual skill and insight, a way of being in order to connect with it. You know, we've all heard this phrase that says, few, all are called, but few are chosen. Well, we know the inner meaning of that because God is not an exclusionist. He doesn't exclude anybody. It's not that few are chosen, but rather few actually decide to choose to answer the call for their life because maybe they're listening to society, listening to their parents, listening to what people have told them what they should do in their life. And so rather than choosing for themselves and answering the call that's unique to them, they're following the call of the world. You know, I, I thought about that, you know, as I was, sometimes I talk with my son and, you know, there's this great phenomenon, there's this phenomenon going on about now called the great resignation after the pandemic. People are leaving jobs that they hate. They said, I don't have to go back to that job anymore. I can do something totally different. And I was speaking with my son and he was saying, well, probably there's also the, the, the great, I'm never going to even apply to something like that. And I think it's particularly true for today's emerging generation because they have so many different choices on how they can live their life. They can follow their heart, still make a living. And they don't necessarily have to go out and do a certain thing because society has set it up that way to go to work behind a cubicle doing something they do not like and go after strict materialism and doing something they don't connect with who they are. And I think that's because they're coming from a different place. They're much more aware of what's important to them. You know, they make different choices, and I believe that choice is a function of awareness. We must be aware of the presence of God. 
We must be aware of the infinite possibilities and the goodness that's around us. We must be aware in order to choose. And that awareness happens when we enter that sacred center within us through our study, through our prayer, through our meditation, and no longer listen to the world and start listening to that still, small voice that is always there urging us to go in a certain way. Our job is to do what we can to get in tune with this voice that will pull us to our tomorrow, to pull us to do something that maybe the world thinks is not right or lunatic-like, like the character in that movie, Field of Dreams. We're here to answer our own call. Now, we don't need to look outside of ourselves for the answer. The answer is already within us. We just need to release it, to release the inner splendor that is always there. And I think those strategies include going to that silence, that meditation, no longer judging ourselves or other people, engaging in forgiveness. Because these spiritual practices, I believe, begin to clear the field so we can hear and no longer be detracted or distracted by the static that is on the line. You know, the static are those highly charged thought forms of the world, those unspiritualized voices in our head that prevent us from connecting to that place of infinite possibility. Many years ago, I was at a community. There was a, a man who was going through all kinds of challenges in his life. He was all, he was all out of sorts. And uh, at this particular time, he had come because he was charged with burning down a house. Now, it was his own house. So I guess it wasn't quite that bad, but it was, you know, his ex-wife was in it. But here's the good thing. She got out alive without a scratch. There was no problem. But he was very upset about the, the breakup and, that was taking place, and, and he thought the only thing that he could do to, to remedy it was burn down the house with her in it. And so, you know, he was going through a lot of stuff. And so he began to, to practice these things of, of forgiveness and forgiving himself and forgiving his wife for what he thought he had done, she had done to him, and, and no longer judging himself or judging life. He began to, to practice the principles of lowly listening and seeking to get guidance in his life, and he was able to come to the other side. And at one point, he had gotten to the point where he, you know, became a very productive person in society, he became a teacher. And then after a certain point, even he and his wife spoke, which was a miracle in and of itself. He eventually became a teacher of the year. And he says he went through a process where he began to listen to some guidance that was telling him in a feeling, if not in words, there is more in you to be more, express more of who and what you are. But without him doing what he had to do to get that static out of the way, he wouldn't have heard that voice. He wouldn't have been getting that guidance. I think the idea is this. When our line is not full of that static, we can hear the call. We can capture the inspired ideas that come from spirit. Those, those static represent the fear, the doubt, the worry, the sense of separation. All of that is a is the static on the line. But when we root ourselves in spiritual practices like forgiveness and non-judgment and meditation and silence, we're rooting ourselves in the principle that the power and the presence and the love of God and the force is right where we are and we no longer are caught up in the static. 
And we capture the essence of that statement. I know the thoughts I have toward you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. And when that becomes the activity of our awareness, our lines become static-free. We become rooted in the consciousness of the presence of God. And when we happen to do that, the world will shout out all of its names. It will shout out at us, impossible, lack, limitation. Look at all the disease, the war, the bigotry, not enough to go around. You're not good enough. It will give us a name or a label for everything under the sun. But we will learn to stand still and listen and say, hold on. I got a bigger name on the line. I got a bigger name on the line. You know, I can't talk to you right now. I can't recognize you. I can't give you my attention. I got a bigger name on the line. You can call it God, pure consciousness, infinite potential, great spirit, but it's calling me. I'm answering. I got to go. Talk to the hand, as I used to say. <laughs> when we root ourselves in spiritual practice, and the principle that this power and this word of God is all that there is. As that song says, I am that. I am all of that. And we allow that to move through us. Our line becomes static free. And we will hear the guidance that is everywhere present. So when we pray, you know, God doesn't suddenly say, oh, the prayer is right. Let me give him or her my guidance. No, when we are in the right awareness, the right consciousness, our spiritual practice of prayer, meditation, and silence, and, and forgiveness simply opens us up to what is there all of the time. We begin to hear with new ears. We begin to see with new eyes, and something takes us over. And we no longer judge life merely from the surface or based upon what we can see with our eyesight only. Rather, we turn to that invisible something, that spiritual something. Now, something happens sometimes in our life. It may happen on the surface. It may look good. It may look bad. And maybe we haven't developed our spiritual consciousness, and therefore we react. We react on a surface level. We react maybe inappropriately. But we're not here to look at the surface and give it so much power. But we're here to look within that pure place within us, that presence of God that is always at work. There was a young man who was invited to a highfalutin dinner party. I guess all the big wigs were there. And they all came out dressed in all their regalia. They were wearing their tuxedos and evening gowns and dashikis and I mean it was uh, like you know just a dress up day for the world but he didn't come that way he came in a t-shirt and jeans were clean but you know he felt comfortable that way but when we went out to the people out there nobody would give him the time of day nobody would talk to him or anything like that so he decided to go home and dress up and get his most expensive clothes and you know, that he had had, and he came back, and then all of a sudden, everybody noticed him. They were coming up to him, hey, man, give me your card, and have your people call my people, let's work out some deals and stuff like that. And then they started to eat, and he decided, you know, to do something very different than everybody else. You know, he took his soup, and he poured it in his lap. He took his salad, and he wiped it on his chest. 
He took his bread and you know, just crumbled it up and dropped it on his, you know, his shoulder. And people were asking, what's wrong? What, what are you doing? And he said, well, I realized when I came here that you really didn't invite me. You invited my clothes. So I decided to feed my clothes. <laughs> the whole idea of that story, to the extent there is an idea behind the story. They did not meet him. They dealt with him on the surface. In life, sometimes we do the same thing. Something happens. An event takes place. And right away, we name it and it's, say it's terrible or this bad because we're not rooted in the unchanging presence. So we react and we do something that stirs up the sense of separation based upon operating from the surface of life and have not stopped to deeply look enough. But when we begin to call out the power of the force and connect with that presence we call God, understanding it's within our own being, we place our attention on it, then this presence, what I call omniactive presence, reveals itself in ways that we had not even thought of up until that moment. Understand as we answer our call to our own greatness, whatever it may be, it is not about our own might and power. It's not about overcoming the challenges on our own way of being. It's about releasing and letting go and giving it over to the divine presence that is always within us. You know, if those are familiar with silent unity, and I was in ministerial school, that was part of our training. We had to go and be on the phones and answer prayers or for people who called in from all over the world. But we also had a service that we would do on a daily basis, and people would come into an auditorium, and they would have that service. And at the beginning of the service, they would say without fail that it is not I, but the Christ within that does the work. It is not I, it is the divine within, it is the power within, it is the spirit within us that really does the work. And it's a reminder to us when we realize the truth, we can rest assured and relax in the flow of this presence and allow ourselves to be guided to see how we are to be directed so we can witness how the spirit of God is going to show up in our life and in our world. There's a lot going on in our world. A lot going on in our country. Maybe there's a lot going on in your own life. And if we look at the, 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 what's happening in the outside world, you know, the media will have a particular slant on what's going on on the planet right now. It'll tell us how bad it is. It'll tell us about the sense of separation that seems to be taking place between people and countries. When we get into the flow and move into realization that God is all that there is, that is, we're seeing things from a high point of view, we'll be reminded that everything that's going on according to what the news brings us has been going on for a long time now. The fact is, I always say it's not news. The news is not new. You could probably call it the olds. You know, the names have been changed to protect the guilty. You know, we've been having wars and separation and seeming distance between people. It did not happen simply because it's now on the Internet or on our news channels. These things have been going on since ancient time. And harking back to my brother's question, why is there fighting? Why is there wars? Well, we can say, well, let's go back to the time of the story of Cain and Abel. It's been going on since then. 
It's been part of our human experience for thousands of years now. But I believe that we're now in a different stage of consciousness where we begin to listen and look for evidence of God's good regardless of what it appears on the surface to be. We look and look for the guidance. And we'll see that all that's been being brought to the surface now is being brought for those of us who are holding the high watch. And we realize that every crisis whether it's our own personal life, whether it's in our world, is an opportunity to see how God is going to show up. But we must listen. And we must answer the call of this presence. This is our charge. Because as we look at the world today, Spirit is telling us the world is looking for something new. A new perspective. A new energy a new leadership, a new possibility of handling conflict, a new way of solving the issues on the planet and in our life. It is calling us to be that something new. The surface mind may be saying, oh, it can't be done. When we answer the call, people may talk about you. And they say, oh, they're crazy. Those people really believe that peace is possible on the planet. They sing their little peace song every week, you know. That we live in an abundant universe and we can have everyone's needs met. That we can actually believe that we can end disease and lack and limitation. That we can become aware of the spiritual nature and live in a violence-free world. Well, yes, we do. Yes, I do. Because with this God consciousness, all things are possible. You know, as we answer our call. We embrace a God-inspired vision for our life. And then we discover that the seeming problems that pop up, and they do pop up from time to time, is t part of the experience. That they seem so big to us. Those things begin to dissolve. Because the message from the presence is that we are living in a world too small. The problems seem overwhelming because we need to expand our world, expand our ideas. And somebody told me if you want to deal with a challenging problem or a challenging idea, you must meet it with a bigger idea. So we don't ever worry about, you know, how our big our problems are. Let the you know, problems tell us how big they are. We tell our problems how big our God is. And those problems begin to dissolve. They dissolve into the nothingness from which they have come. We created it. We can uncreate it. And I think this is what happens when we answer the call to our greatness, our call from our tomorrow, because that call is being in absolute alignment with those who have come here to express who have they come here to be. Like that said, like, like that, that oak tree is saying to the acorn, come forth. This is who you are. And who we are is in alignment with the great visionaries that have blessed our lives and the planet. And we don't let anybody fool us. We are in league with those people who have big names, who have prophesied the great possibilities of the human experience. Because all that they have, we have as well. So we stand in alignment with that vibration and frequency that they radiated. And as we do, we answer our call from our tomorrow, and we answer it from the perspective that is happening right now, today. That's what we do. 
Peace and blessings to you. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center Transforming